Welcome to episode 46 of the Avatar Hour podcast, your ultimate companion podcast to the world of Avatar. I'm Kayla. And I'm Andre. And today we'll be discussing and breaking down the first four chapters of FCE's The Shadow of Kiyoshi, the second part of the Kiyoshi duology. Oh, and just to let you all know, there's a good chance we'll be discussing spoilers for not only the previous book, This Rise of Kiyoshi, but also for Avatar The Last Airbender and The Legend of Korra. However, you'll be free from any spoilers regarding any Avatar Universe comic books. So, Andre, how are we doing this week? It's our first like recap episode back. I know. I'm so excited. I, I've just recently moved um not into my new apartment just yet this is kind of a go-between um but yeah we're it's 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 good it's like symbolic we're starting a new recap season i'm in a new space so i'm really excited um i was as i was saying before we started recording i've been really excited after this very stressful and turbulent week to just sit down at the end of it and talk about avatar we are cutting it close because this episode is supposed to come out tomorrow so i have to edit <laughs> it in hyperdrive tonight um you do it but in you. <laughs> but yes uh yeah, I'm I'm doing great. Kayla, how are you doing? That's awesome. Um, I'm good. I you know did a lot of travel this week. I got to hang out with both of my siblings, which I'm very happy about because I love and miss them. Um, even yeah. though it's only been two weeks, you know, you still feel the absence. Uh, yeah. you know, it's only for a little while. But then I get to see them again in two weeks when I go on vacation in Virginia. So you know, uh, that'll be fun. Um, more specifically. Honestly, I don't really know where in Virginia we go. It's like a resort that we always go to. We used to always go to every summer for years. Uh-huh. Um, but it's out by James Madison University. So I don't know where in relation that is to everything else. But From Virginia Beach, from where I live, it's about four hours-ish. Okay. Something like that. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. All right. So getting on into it, we do have one bit of news. Um, Suki Alone, the Avatar Universe comic taking place during Suki's time at the Boiling Rock Prison, was released on July 27th, and it is available for purchase wherever you get your comic books. I'm excited to talk about this. We're going to wedge this in between our season three of Atla recap, wherever the chronology lies. I don't know if we'll do it right before the Boiling Rock episodes or before season three of atla we'll figure it out later but we will be talking about that this season so we're very excited about that more comic books i'm excited to get more into that uh mm-hmm. it's kind of funny because like we always you know like as i i've noticed like in our intro we're, lo- we're losing more of like you're free from spoilers from the shadow of kiyoshi <laughs> and like and eventually yeah. we're gonna be like oh there's gonna be just so many spoilers so many spoilers yeah <laughs> and we have read katara and the pirate silver but i it's there wasn't it's, any major like shaking up plot points kind of thing i mean once yeah. we get to like the uh the search uh and like the uh you know the one they, they go look for zuko's mom and like also the uh the cora books which is a lot of moving and shaking in those books um yeah there yeah there's gonna be plenty of spoilers for those just ahead of time so our spoiler disclaimer will get infinitely more complicated <laughs> the more avatar stuff we consume but it's fine it's fine yeah so it's been a hot minute since we were last in Kyoshi's time period. Here's my very sloppy recap of where we're at uh, at the beginning of Shadow of Kyoshi. Okay. So at this point, Kyoshi says the Avatar has become more well-known. And uh, Yan, the person who was previously thought to be the Avatar, went missing because, you know, Jinju being a shady bitch. Um, <laughs> he went missing, was taken to the spirit world, but he has now resurfaced as this unearthly human spirit monster at the end of Rise of Kyoshi and killed Jinju. And he's out in the world now and... That's not good. At the end of Rise of Kiyoshi, Rongi, who's Kiyoshi's trainer, bodyguard, and girlfriend, left for the Northern Water Tribe to take care of her mother, Heiran, who was poisoned by Jinju because, you know, 
he just poisoned everyone, including himself, to get rid of his enemies and things like that. And Heiran got caught in the crossfire, essentially. Diva. Like I said before, Yan is still out there. Kiyoshi is now being introduced to government officials around the four nations, and she's still training in her bending as well, the spiritual side of being the Avatar. Oh, and her predecessor, Kurik, is trying to contact her. And that's what you missed on Glee. <laughs> no, not what you missed on Glee. <laughs> I had to do it. No, I just want to go on the record and completely distance ourselves from the monstrosity known as the Glee I, TV series. I'm sorry to, if I you like make, it. <laughs> I had to make a joke about it. I'm sorry. Oh my God. Uh, we do not, here at the Avatar Hour, we do not endorse Glee. <laughs> <laughs> we don't. We do make fun of it. All right, and before we get into our recap, we are going to revisit some of the predictions we made on episode 29, The Rise of Kiyoshi Final Thoughts, and The Shadow of Kiyoshi Predictions. Um, So just a quick list here. Um, One of our predictions was Lauga will show up at some point, particularly at an inconvenient moment in time. Because Um, duh. Because duh. I believe, Kayla, you made a prediction that we will get some sort of precursor or foundation laying of the Kiyoshi Warriors, and that Rangi will have something to do with them. That would be really cool. Yeah. And particularly because, like like I said in that episode, like, Rangi trained Kiyoshi as one mm-hmm. of her teachers. I think it would make sense. Just from a background of mentors and teachers and things like that. So it would make sense. Yeah. Just saying. <laughs> yep. Um, we also predicted that there would be a potential Red Lotus nod through Lauga because they share similar beliefs. I predicted we will go to the Fire Nation in this book because the book is red. <laughs> oh my goodness and that's our first prediction that comes true i was like but we'll get have you considered red we'll we'll get to it um and then we have a a couple of smaller pins we talked about what's happening with yun particularly we we said something about like him not being 100 human and more about Kurik. we predicted that we would learn a lot more about him um, which these chapters also prove to, you know, reveal a little bit. So we're on a good track. We're on a good track. We're about, you know, two for five at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. And without further ado, let's just get into the book. So we start with a prologue here. It's a very short prologue. Um, it flashes back to the scene in Rise of Kiyoshi with Yoon, Jinju, Kiyoshi, and Father Glowworm, um, in which it's revealed that Kiyoshi is the Avatar and not Yoon. However, we get sort of a continuance of the scene, but from Yun's perspective. And as I was reading this, I, listen, I am a rabid, rabid fan of FCE's writing, particularly his descriptive writing. It's just the way he wrote this is very, very overwhelming as a reader. You know, the way he describes like the pain that Yun is going through right now. It's like, it's very, very, very visceral and descriptive. Absolutely. Um, We get a couple of revelations in this prologue. Avatar Kurik fought Father Glowworm in the past. Uh, We also learned that calling a spirit by its name in the spirit world seems to make you more vulnerable to that spirit which I think is a new piece of information about the spirit world. I don't think we learned that in Avatar or Korra. Yeah, I don't think we do. Yeah, I don't think so either. And then the last bit being Father Glowworm can create tunnels to the human world from the spirit realm. And I thought this is a particularly significant revelation considering the importance of like the spirit portals in Korra. The fact that some spirits just can create tunnels and I'm assuming both humans and spirits can go in between you know so this is this is really interesting and throughout this whole like suffering yun is going through he essentially creates his own portal to the spirit world by creating like this giant rip in the earth with his earth bending and then we're also reminded in this that the spirit world is a reflection of the visitor's emotions which is ties in with what we learn in korra exactly 
I don't think that was something we got to learn in Atla, but I think it was more heavily influenced on Korra because the spirit worlds in Avatar and Korra look very different from each other, you know? But, it, you know, it kind of makes sense. It's a spiritual realm. Things are going to shift. Yeah. Um, the main selling point for this little prologue for me is we get to see Yun grappling with the fact that he is not the Avatar, which is not something we explicitly saw in Rise of Kyoshi. We, we sort of, like talked about it how like devastating it must have been for him um but to get it from him specifically i mean it's it's a lot this compounded with like this this terrible ordeal he's going through like it really makes you feel for him in a certain way um and then it it just it just goes downhill from here yeah um he tries to swindle father glowworm into becoming his student instead father glowworm says he intends to fuse with yun's spirit um, which also confirms our prediction that Yun is not all human anymore, assuming that the Yun we saw in Chinchou at the end of Rise of Kyoshi was in fact the Yun that's fused with Father Glowworm. We we don't know what happened between that stretch of time, but that would that's that would be really really interesting. As I think the only time we've ever seen this in Avatar was when the spirits would inhabit humans in Korra in the beginnings episode. I mean, like, of course, with the, you know, the formation of the avatar and the dark avatar with like, you know, right. Right. So it makes sense that that any spirit, if, if they so wanted to could fuse with a human, you know? So it's almost weird. He's becoming like this other, he's not the avatar, but he's still fusing with the spirit. So it's kind of like a weird poetry in that, you know, like poetry rhymes. (laughs) I had Victoria Lucas reference. It was right there. You can't say poetry in, in, on this podcast. It, it inevitably goes to that quote. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then I'm going to make a prediction right here and now. Very early in the episode. Okay. I think um, Yun will become either the main antagonist of the novel or an auxil- auxiliary antagonist. I'm thinking there's either going to be a giant force that Kyoshi has to reckon with. And then Yun will be the more personal antagonist for her. Or Yun will just be all of it for her. You know, that would make sense. I wonder if he harbors any resentment for Kiyoshi stealing his avatar hood, you know, and considering like all the hatred that Father Glowworm has towards the avatar mixed with, right, you know, potentially some resentment could make a pretty scary creature with a grudge. Yeah. So that's where I'm kind of leaning. I think I think he's going down an antagonist path in this novel. We'll see. We'll see. Um, and yeah, so that's the prologue. Let's go to chapter one, Unfinished Business. Uh, we cut to two years later in the lower ring of Ba Sing Se in the Loom Cow City block. There's a flurry of action as they receive a tip that their stronghold would be attacked. And I just want to read this entrance for Kiyoshi. Yes. There, I want to reemphasize Kayla's point about her being the Chuck Norris of <laughs> Of this universe, because <laughs> this chapter completely proves it. Chuck Norris is a piece of shit, though. We probably shouldn't say Chuck Norris, though. <laughs> oh, you're right. So I just want to read it. It said, um, I and I've edited it down just a little bit. It says, a pair of gauntleted arms burst through the brick. Outside, the floorboards creaked from the weight of a person walking, as if complete silence were a cloak the enemy could discard at will. The treading of heavy boots came closer and closer. The doorway filled, blacking out the faint light from the hall, and a tall, incredibly tall figure stepped inside. A dress of green silk billowed underneath the wound. Its face was a white mask, and its eyes were monstrous streaks of red. And I don't get chills from reading books very often, but this 
this was it. This was it. it honestly, kind of gave me the same feeling of like almost like Thor arriving in Wakanda, and like you know, yes. Bruce Banner being like, "You guys are screwed now." Like that's literally <laughs> what I was thinking when I was reading this. Yes, and I am a complete sucker for um like the sequel, like reintroducing like the main characters in a really cool way. I this is exactly what I wanted for Kiyoshi. Absolutely, it's what she deserves. <laughs> and there's also this this amazing moment where one of the soldiers starts praying for Avatar Yang Chen's protection and Kiyoshi just bends down and I imagine she's just holding like his chin in her hand pointing up to her face and she says Yang Chen isn't here right now I am and honestly the straights could never this is so dramatic like (laughs) I love this this is so funny to me like it's crazy thinking about how much like literally how Kiyoshi was introduced in the first in Rise of Kiyoshi versus how she's introduced in the shadow of Kiyoshi yes remember at the beginning of Rise of Kiyoshi she couldn't even stand up for herself against a bunch of kids who took like a you know a jar of food away from her right and now she's you know making dramatic entrances striking fear into the hearts you know of her enemies like so I didn't even think about that. Yeah, that is a good point. I think it's supposed to completely mirror the beginning and see how how much he's grown in these two years. Yeah, I mean, considering that this book is called The Shadow of Kiyoshi, something tells me that yeah, something tells me it's kind of obvious from the title alone. Uh, uh-huh. This is going to be a darker story going on here, and we're going to probably explore the darker side of of Kiyoshi as well. You know, which gets hinted at in the next chapter. Mm. So it turns out Kiyoshi's there to find Uncle Mok, who is the second in command of the Yellownecks from the previous book. She's hunted him down after rumors of his new organization, the Triad of the Golden Wing, reached her and she decided to go investigate. I'm sorry, what a terrible name. (laughs) I love that she's like... She's like, what's your name? It's it's something with with a triangle or something. <laughs> like she's just like, I am not entertaining these men and their stupid names for their stupid clubs. Exactly. Like, Gorgeous. Moxmen try and put up a fight and surround Kiyoshi, and it says that she only takes out one fan, as two would have been too much. And then just smash cuts to bodies littered around the room. And I'm like, I love this. <laughs> Just like she's just a force of nature at this point, like you know. Yeah. Do you do you know what this reminded me of? This whole thing reminded me of the opening of the Dark Knight, where you know Batman is going back to the previous villain of the previous film, and he's beating people up, and it's like you know it's it's like a time job and everything. I was like, this is giving me very heavy the Dark Knight vibes. I was waiting for like other people dressed as Kiyoshi pretending to be her, like. <laughs> It's it's so funny to me. I, not gonna lie, I kind of got the same feeling that I did watching um, Darth Vader in the hallway at during Rogue One of him yes. just like effortlessly. He's just like Robert. Can we get can we get that scene just to still with that scene, <laughs> but just Photoshop Yoshi's head on Darth Vader. Thank you so much. <laughs> but that's literally the vibe I got from this. Yes. You know, I mean, you know, technically, I mean, like in the case of Darth Vader, you know, you're not technically supposed to be cheering for him, but it's just so awesome. You but know? all joking aside, the way that FCE writes her as like it, like a monster, like a spirit, like before she's revealed, you know, it's again, it's what we've been saying. I think it's it's going to be hinting at Kiyoshi's more ruthless side as a person and as an avatar. But I just found the whole thing so entertaining, the way it was written. Um, Kiyoshi then forces Mok to give her his contact. And she's surprised to find out that it's someone from the middle ring. Uh, apparently, he's been working with someone to maintain the stronghold in the lower ring. Um, and then Wei comes in to try to attack, attack her. But upon seeing her, he lit- it says he stops in midair and just bows down and places the knife in front of her. And I'm like, that's, that's a good decision. That's, yeah. <laughs> Smart move, pal. 
Um, we find out that Kiyoshi has employed Captain Lee and his officers to assist her in pruning out criminal Dalfei strongholds. Um, and it's important to to note that it says in the book that she was hesitant to um to align with him because it, it like it tiptoes the line of her Dalfei oaths, but she sees it as she's not working for him, he's working for her. So it's interesting to see that she's still considering that, even as she's pruning the strongholds of Dalfei. And then the officers start taking people out of the stronghold, and Kiyoshi realizes that they're not removing the criminals, they're removing the innocent people and families that were living there. So she bends like a clay muzzle over every single guard, and they're like suffocating as she collects their badges. Um, and then she goes over to the captain and says and pressures him to tell her who's the the informant. And she says that the briber's name is Minister Wu. And Kiyoshi tells him to write a confession after taking out the Dao Fei. And there's this moment here where one of the families that was getting pulled out by the guards, you know, Kiyoshi goes over to help them. And they basically like, you know, like, don't get anywhere near us, like get away from us. And this starkly reminded me of the moment in Zuko alone where Zuko helps the town. And then that kid and his mom are like, no, you're a firebender. Don't get him anywhere near me. So it's like, it's putting Kiyoshi in a very weird spot because she knows that she is helping people, but people are very, very scared about the way she goes about things, you know? So I thought it was a very, very cool parallel that I saw there. Absolutely. I also wanted to point out, cause I think Kiyoshi mentions it. If not in this chapter, that later chapter, but the clay muzzle that she puts on those guards faces is the exact same move that Jinji pulled on her. Yes. Yes. That's in the next chapter. Just, just keep that food for thought. Keep that in mind. <laughs> All right, now we go to chapter two, The Invitation. Kiyoshi makes her way back to her apartment in the middle ring and considers her next step. She considers making an example of Captain Lee to prevent more bribery from happening, but then catches herself, realizing that Jinji would be proud of her for considering this as an option, and in the same moment remembers Kelsong, who never would have used violence to solve a solution. So this is exactly what you were just talking about. She realizes that the move she used was the exact same thing Jinju did to her, um, and she is like grappling with the fact that she she shares similarities with Jinju, which is a really interesting thing for Kiyoshi to grapple with, right? It's a very, very interesting, like, internal conflict. Um, and again, again, pointing to our theory that this will this novel will explore the darker aspects of Kiyoshi's character. But it's like she's, like, constantly being confronted with the fact that even though she knows she's doing the right thing, it's the manner in which she goes about doing those things is that what it's what separates people from her, what distances herself from other people. So I think that moment was was really interesting for her to consider. Um, and we also find out that she's been like visiting like Jinju's like because he left everything to her apparently. Um, so she's been like kind of visiting his like old offices and trying to prune out the corruption in the Earth Kingdom, but it's just again the Earth Kingdom is just too damn big. And it's it's pointless to try to corral all these different like, you know, districts and countries and states in this giant piece of land that has no overall jurisdiction, you know. And then we come. Oh, oh, I almost forgot about this. There's a moment here in the previous chapter. Apparently, you know, someone tried to use a garrote on her um, and there was like pieces of glass stuck in her neck. And then it's she casually just bends the glass out of her neck and I had to read it a couple of times. I'm like, oh, did she just, and she just bends the glass out of her neck. And casual. I'm like, just casually. And it's the way, the way it's written too is, is casual. It, this happens all the time. And I'm like, hello, this is the first time we've seen glass bending, right? 
Yeah, I think so. I don't think we see that in any of the series. I don't think. I mean, if, so, if we're if we're wrong, if we're wrong, please someone let us know. <laughs> but not, pretty... that, not that I can think. Of. I mean, uh, maybe in Rise of Kyoshi because we'd read that forever ago, so maybe there was a small instance of it like this here. But I think this is the first time we see her glass bend. That's yeah, that's a big deal. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, just goes to show if it's like written so casually that like how powerful she has become in the two years since Rise of Kyoshi. Right, and I think it's a. Uh, it's also a. Uh, Oh, this is a thing she can do anyway, and I think it's gonna be set up to something else later in the. You know, like the, the you know that TikTok audio, of, sir, sir, <laughs> sir. It's yes. except it's ma'am, ma'am. Are you there? <laughs> yes, I think that's exactly it. Yeah, I think I think it's a it's just a casual thing that happens, so it can be like brought back later. We'll see. Um. So then Monk Jinpa, now Kiyoshi's personal secretary, comes in and fills her in on her daily correspondence. Um, we find out that Governor Tay of the last book seems to be taking Kiyoshi's words to heart, and by words I mean threats. Um, and he's implementing progressive change in the Zigon village. Um, we learn that Kiyoshi has largely ignored letters from Earth Kingdom sages because they always have an ulterior motive to inviting her to these festivals and parties and stuff. Um, and they write like for the Avatar's eyes only on the letters, and it's just it's just a it's 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 spam mail. It's it's, you know, we've been trying to contact you about your dealership or your car, car warranty. Extended car, car warranty. Extended car warranty, whatever. <laughs> like, that's that's what it is. Uh, Jimpa tells her that as the Avatar, she needs to be more than just a powerful bender. She needs to be a leader and that eventually Kiyoshi will have to stand upon a greater stage. Very Tenzin and Korra dynamic here. You know what I mean? Like, I can see it now, yeah. There's also more parallels, especially with the spiritual side for Kiyoshi. There's a lot of parallels there. And then uh, Kiyoshi asked Jinpa uh, if what he said is something that his secret friends say, but he simply shrugs in response. And again, it's like that small thing that's in there and it's just shrugged away immediately. I'm like, that's probably coming back. White Lotus ties, you think? I think so. I like, hear, I see secret friends and I'm like, okay, White Lotus, right? Like that's... secret. It's a secret society, guys. <laughs> well, it was a secret society. It's a secret society of friends. And it would make sense that maybe, maybe the White Lotus would start from the air temples you know what i mean like the mission kind of aligns with with the airbender ideology so i don't know we'll see we'll find out hopefully kiyoshi then asks him if there's any word about yun but jimpa says that earth kenyan leaders would rather pretend that he never existed to save face and avoid embarrassment <sighs> um kiyoshi is frustrated and after yelling at jimpa not to call yun the false avatar which he does rude he ensures her that he will continue their search and then her last bit of correspondence is an official letter of invitation from Fire Lord Zoryu to attend the Festival of Zedo so he can convene with her about an urgent matter. A lot to unpack here. So we got we get a canon name for a previous Fire Lord and also the Festival of Zedo, which is one of the fire avatars. Um, that's really cool. Can't wait to see that. And, you know, not daring to ignore the Fire Lord's invitation, Kiyoshi tells Jimpa to accept it. And after Jimpa leaves, we find out that there was actually a little bit more in that letter that she did not tell him. Apparently, Heiron and Rongi have returned from the Northern Water Tribe and want to meet up with Kiyoshi at the festival. The reunion. Oh. Love that. And that is chapter two. So we actually don't have an ad read for you guys today. We, we currently do not have any sponsors, but we are still going to take a little bit of a break. So we'll see you guys in a little bit. And we're back with chapter three, Past Lives. 
So Jinpa and Kiyoshi have, are making their way to the Fire Nation. Um, I just want to comment on the, the bison real quick. The name of Jinpa's bison is uh, Yin Yang, which is always a cute name for air bison. And it, it just makes me so happy. I love it. I love it so much. Oh, and by the way, in case y'all were worried about Peng Peng and why she wasn't traveling on Peng Peng, it's because uh, she has her, she just had babies. Peng Peng has babies. She's taking care of the babies. And oh, that makes me so happy. Well-deserved retirement at the Southern Air Temple. Also, like air bison babies some of the cutest animals i know blueberry spice head yeah <laughs> like they all have such cute names <laughs> oh man we'll talk more about that as we get to see more of air bison in uh cora mm-hmm. all right so jimpa tells kiyoshi that they're about to fly over the place where avatar yang chen first waterbended um did her first act of waterbending Ooh, that's cool sacred space um but as they fly over Jinpa notices that he can't find it, despite the fact that Google Maps has been telling him that he's there. <laughs> yeah. You have arrived at your destination. No, we haven't. Where is it? <laughs> Can I say, before we get into this a little bit, there's a, a bit here where Kyoshi kind of looks back on Yang Chen's legacy, and because she's talked about as, like, the perfect avatar, and is her name is still being invoked for luck and protection Pre- look at what happened in the previous like chapters you know exactly and it's the fact that yang chen kind of like keeps coming back in these ways i think it's meant to poke at kiyoshi's like confidence as the avatar you know what i mean because it almost it also says too like she doesn't want to convene with any spiritual guidance because she doesn't want her credibility to be questioned even more you know so again it's another really interesting internal conflict for kiyoshi I also want to make a prediction while we're here um, that we're going to probably get some kind of, we're not going to learn, just learn more about uh, Avatar Kurok. We're going to learn more about Avatar Yang Chen. And something tells me that Yang Chen wasn't exactly the perfect Avatar that everyone makes her out to be, that she might have done some morally gray things in her time as the Avatar. I mean, considering how much of a powerful role the Avatar is, you're going to have to do some morally gray things. Yeah. But something tells me, like, even with all the, uh, you know, squeaky clean legacy that uh, Yang Chen seems to have, she probably had to do some pretty, you know, mess up shit. I'm just going to say that right now. So that makes sense. I could see that happening. So something tells me we'll get some kind of revelation like that in the future. So let's, we'll, we'll, we'll put a pin in that and see if it ends up coming undone. <laughs> yeah. Kiyoshi then hears someone saying her name. It's not Jinpa, it's somebody else. Uh, and then she starts seizing with intense pain and falls off a yin yang. So that's scary. Um, I, I was making myself crack up because I was, tr- I was like, trying to imagine what that would sound like <laughs> like because it keeps saying kiyoshi and i, I imagine I'm gonna, I'm gonna step back from the mic for this but i imagine it sounded like this kiyoshi <laughs> like that's all i could i could like imagine and i had to like put the book down for a second i was just making myself laugh <laughs> sorry keep going it's okay it's okay um she then hears the voice again as she hits the water when she's underwater, she opens her eyes to find a hazy vision of Avatar Kurok. He seems as though he's trying to ask her for help, but Kiyoshi can only hear a few of his words. Then she starts breathing in water and starts drowning, which is not great. Not in the ideal situation here. Yeah. Um, Jinpa then tries, enters, you know, jumps in the water and tries to pull her to the surface. But after they're both struggling, Kiyoshi's like, oh, wait, I'm a waterbender. And then she <laughs> uses her waterbending to bring them to the surface. Yeah. Um, once they catch their breath, uh, Kiyoshi tries telling Jinpa that she just simply lost her balance, but clearly does not fly with him. He does not fly, like, he, he smells some bullshit. Mm-hmm. She then admits that Kurok has been trying to communicate with her, which upsets Jinpa that she didn't tell him that. I yeah. mean, that's, you know, kind of important. It's kind of a bit of important information, don't you think? Sure. Um, but then again, you know, you mentioned that, like, she's, you know, tr- 
dealing with a little bit of imposter syndrome lately. Uh, not a little bit, a lot of it. So I can understand why she didn't tell him. Yeah. Um, he tells her that speaking to our past lives is supposed to be a holy experience and not a life-threatening seizure. Yes. Yes, very true. I think we also made a we made a prediction to that whatever Kirk is trying to tell her, it has something to do with Yoon. And and I think in particular to, Father Glowworm too. Yeah, because there's that connection between Kirk and Father Glowworm, you know. So I think it. I this is like kind of more corroborating now that we know Yoon has fused with him. I don't know. I feel like that's what he's trying to tell her. Like I said before, Kyoshi's been dealing with some imposter syndrome because she has she's been having a hard time figuring out the spiritual side of being the avatar and particularly in the realm of communicating with her past lives. And I'm again seeing some Korra. You know, where have we seen bit, this before? Where have we seen this before? Uh, I know this song. You know, I, I love this song. Uh, but, you know, just... I, I mean, you can't ignore the, the connections, which, you know, I mean... An avatar with imposter syndrome and having trouble with communicating with her spiritual side? Interesting. <laughs> but Kiyoshi tells Jinpa that it's not a big deal because every so often she hears Kirk's voice and that she never can quite understand what he's saying. Jinpa then tells her it must be urgent if one of her past lives is trying to talk to her, kind of like how Aang was trying to warn Korra about, you know... Yes. More Tenzin and Korra parallels. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, Jinpa, yeah, Jinpa says, like, oh, it must be urgent. And then she gets pissed off at him. She's like, well, no shit, guy. You know, no shit. Like, no shit. Yeah. Of course he's trying to tell me it's something important. But then seeing how she's hurt his feelings, she calms down and offers a genuine apology to him. Um, she then spots the destroyed island and looks like it had been, looks like chunks of it had been like blown apart. Because that's the island where Kirk, probably you know, probably the island, I'm pretty sure it was the island where Kirk went to the Avatar State for the first time. Mm-hmm. And she realizes that he destroyed you know, Yang Chen's special island and she gets even more pissed off at this guy. I'm like, she's like, okay, you're giving me weird messages here and you destroyed a freaking island. Like, yeah. what's going on here, man? Like, yeah, <laughs> this doesn't help with Kirk's uh, reputation. <laughs> no, I mean... He's not being made to look like a very good person in this book and the one before it. Yeah, you know? which shits on him. Which our fandom corner today will kind of touch a little bit on that I, as well. Yes, I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and that brings us into chapter four, the reunion. Kyoshi and Jinpa are flying over the volcanoes, leading towards the Fire Nation. They recovered from nearly drowning, so that's great. Um, as they fly lower, she notices that preparations have been made for the for the festival and she wishes that she could enjoy it properly instead of just being at the, you know, for there for formal business. Yeah. Uh, and they arrive at the Capitol, which makes, and they make their way to the, to the palace as you know, the letters instructions. Uh, Kiyoshi is just checking out the palace's layout. She's noticing that they're surrounded by like a ring of stone that exposes any attackers. There's really not much of a garden. So the lack of trees means that they would prevent thieves and assassins from coming in, <laughs> yeah. you know, all these details. Um, and then she realizes like, oh crap, I'm thinking like a Delphi member. Yeah. She's you like know. casing the fire Lord's Royal palace. And I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> Some habits die hard. Uh, which pisses her off thinking about this, which I hope we do see the, the, the remaining members of the Flying Opera Company again. I think again. that we so have I, to. We, we have, have to. to. I miss them. <clears throat> um, and that pisses her off that she's thinking like I'm one of those members. I'm like, can't remember, you can't forget where you came from, girl. Just yeah. saying. Um, but anyway, uh, Jinpa and Kiyoshi land outside the main gate because they're not sure if they would get shot got down or not if they went over the walls, which... Fair. That's that's like me arriving at a party. I'm saying, man, is this getting shot down? I mean, like, I don't want to go in just yet. 
because I'm not sure if he's even the right place. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. Much to Kiyoshi's delight, uh, as the main gate opens, they she sees she sees Rogi. It's been two years. They tried a long distance relationship with like but the messenger hawks were not great with dealing with the cold, so it's kind of hard to communicate. So they haven't seen each other in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's all dressed in her official high-ranking Fire Nation uniform. She looks, you know, badass and beautiful and awesome. Uh, and she's just completely like, dead silent, as, which like kind of creeps Kyoshi out a little bit. Like, oh my god, like you don't like me anymore. And then Kyo- then Rogi just like completely breaks the illusion and just starts <laughs> cracking up. Like she's yeah. she's like you know just she's just, like gas. She's like just losing it here. And she's telling her I just sprinted over here across the grounds and I just wanted to look impressive as the gates opens. Like this is classic Avatar humor. I love it. Like <laughs> it's so cute though um and yeah she's like oh my god i must be out of shape I'm like huh, me too girl <laughs> um yeah and then kiyoshi's like relieved by this and she, you know she's still her rongi and rongi notices that they're in the palace gates blind spot so she yanks her inside the blind spot and smooches her and ah that's mm. how the chapter ends it just lets me like i wanted to read more but i had to be a good you know podcast like host and yeah. remember to not read ahead because that's next week's episode but that's well, as soon as we get off in in like 30 minutes here we'll you know you'll be able to get on on that exactly exactly but that ends our our recap of rise of, uh, rise oh my god i told you before we recorded we this <laughs> that i was going to refer to it as rise of kiyoshi you were doing <sighs> so well i was doing so great this so this ends our recap for the day for shadow of kiyoshi uh let's move on over to fandom corner so what have we got today oh my god you sent this to me i was cracking up at this i know we had today i do this stuff this is, this is one of my jobs <laughs> right so um kayla our tumblr correspondent has sent over this this wonderful wonderful little uh text post and i'm going to read it to you without trying to lose my shit um it says here friendly reminder that kiyoshi was roku's avatar guy just like roku was ang's guy queen of getting shit done kiyoshi was bland milk toast roku's main advisor like, can you imagine poor Kiyoshi had to spend her entire life making up for that useless thought, Kurik, who had the audacity to croak in his 30s, only to have a wishy-washy, weak bitch successor? You bet your ass she told Roku to murder the shit out of Sozin as soon as he so much breathed in Colonizer, but of course he spared him because of friendship or some shit. Shake my head. The force of Kiyoshi's massive facepalm after this happened actually created the Great Divide. This is canon. <laughs> Y'all just know after Roku finally kicked the bucket, Kiyoshi was waiting for him in the spirit world, size 18 chonkla in hand, ready to whoop his ass. <laughs> <laughs> like, it was so funny. I had to share it. I'm like, it's okay, what, what Kiyoshi creating posts? the great divide for me. <laughs> like, what Kiyoshi, what, like, I, had, I had tried to at least start with the first fandom quarter of, Sh- of Shadow of Kiyoshi with uh, right. a Kiyoshi related post. Exactly. You know, it was perfect. I love it. Just the, Absolutely the, love it. The immense smackdown against Kurok and uh, <laughs> Roku. Yeah. Oh my god. All right. All well, right. that's Fatal Corner. So let's move on to recommendations. Kayla, what do you got for us today? All right. Well, I have I've noticed that a lot of my recommendations involve shows. So you know. That's fine. I'm okay with that. Uh, one of the shows that I've really gotten into over the hiatus is a little show called Gravity Falls. Uh, if you have Disney Plus, it's on. Both seasons are on Disney Plus. Um, the basic premise is that these two kids go live with their great uncle Stan, who is a con artist and runs it basically like a Ripley's Believe It or Not in this weird ass town called Gravity Falls. Uh, Dipper, one of the main characters, finds this 
mysterious journal that talks about a lot of the weird shit going on in town. And basically, um, for a good chunk of the show, it's kind of like a monster of the week kind of format. It's uh-huh. awesome. And then as it kind of treks along, it's like a mystery under the surface. Like, who's the author of the journals? You know, what's going on, Stan? You've got some weird stuff going on. Things like that. Um, it's just a really, it is one of the funniest shows I've ever seen, by the way. Like, it has made me crack. Like, I have had to pause it and just crack up. Because, I mean, it's just such a good show. It's so creative. It's so funny. And, like, it's one of those shows where, like, lures you in with, like, the interesting premise and the fun characters. And then punches you in the emotions. Just letting you know that now. You wouldn't expect the emotional gut punches, but there's plenty of them. And that's my kind of show. So... (laughs) absolutely exactly awesome. so go check out gravity falls uh both seasons are on disney plus and uh yeah it's just out. i think actually it's also on hulu too so it's on if you have hulu okay. it's also on hulu um awesome. go check that out i need more people to talk about it with <laughs> awesome what's your recommendation for the week andre well since I, as i mentioned I, I moved into a new space and because i'm a podcaster i put up sound panels just to help with some room echo and I have to recommend this method of putting uh, uh, these sound panels up. Um, in my old office, I used a lot of double-sided tape to mix results. Some of it would stay, some of it would fall. Um, I tried to use uh, hot glue, still uh, not hot glue, uh, super glue, still wouldn't work. Um, it also peels the shit out of your your paint in the walls. Um, I would recommend using if your your place allows you to do this. I would recommend using a staple gun. Um, it's very easy. It's a lot easier than doing double-sided tape, and there's no chance of your sound panels like falling on you as you're recording or something. Um, and it, you get it done very quick and very easily. So if you're looking for a new method to do that, I would highly, highly suggest a staple gun. Also, make sure to have a pair of pliers around because sometimes you might mess it up and you have to pull the pliers out, uh, pull the the staple out. Um, but that's also really easy to do. So yeah, I would recommend that this week. Awesome. That rounds up our recommendations for the week. I hope y'all enjoy that. And if you try any of the things that we suggest, let us know what you think of them. Particularly yeah. Gravity Falls and you more friends who like it. <laughs> I've been trying to yeah, pester like, Andre. Tell me, to... tell me how you feel. Tell me how you feel. Please. I was texting. We were texting uh, before we recorded this episode. And I, and, uh, you know, I was like, oh, we're going to still go to recommendations this season, right? And I was like, in you know, Andre said, of course. And then I said, yeah, we're, I'm going to recommend Gravity Falls. Have you watched it yet? And he's like, oh, yeah, you've, meant, you know, you've, you've mentioned wanting to watch, you know, I should watch Gravity Falls. And, I'm, and I said a, pic- a picture of uh, Captain Holt from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. It's like, and you'll hear it again. <laughs> yes. So. <laughs> Made me laugh. I'm glad oh, it did. There's nothing better than a well-timed meme. I love that. Oh, I was like, I hope he doesn't text me back during this time. Like, I want to, I want. The- oh, God. The, yeah, this, <laughs> the, the. the complete pressure of like scrolling through your camera roll to find it (laughs) the timing is everything oh my goodness well we are starting a brand new season so we need your help with fandom corner uh please 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 send over your fandom corner submissions to the avatar hour podcast on facebook and instagram or at avatar hour on twitter they can mention anything from funny memes you know i'm not sure if it was really a meme what we just read for for fandom corner this week but funny stuff uh theories shit posts basically anything that can spark some kind of conversation um if you like what you've sent then we'll you'll get a shout out on the podcast so go ahead over to our social media channels and dm us your submissions we'd love to hear from you Mm -hmm. and of course if you'd like some extra avatar hour in your life subscribe to our exclusive patreon 
That means you can get uh, access to our Google Docs, our ad-free avatar hour, and of course, our flagship benefit, the avatar after hour. Um, our most recent episode was us trying to terribly cast uh, a live action avatar series. It's one of my favorites. It's one of the funniest ones we've done. So yes. subscribe to our $5 level to get the avatar after hour. And speaking of which, we will have a new episode of Avatar After Hour next week. So if you want to tune into that, definitely subscribe at the $5 level. We also offer $1 level and $3 level with varying benefits for each. But yeah. Okay. Um, and also before we get on out of here, we just want to remind you guys that we are introducing a new feature on the show called Listener Memos. If you would like your voice to make a special appearance on the show, go ahead and record your theories or any feedback about the show on your voice memo app on your phone. And you can email them over to the podcast at gmail.com and we will play it directly on the show. Um, and also, just as a quick reminder, we currently have a listener survey out for you guys. And if you click the link in today's show notes, it will take you to a Google form where you guys can give us direct feedback on things like how we've been running the show, your favorite kind of episode, and any suggestions on topics for future episodes. It would really mean the world to us if you just took the two minutes to fill out fill that out for us, um, because we're very, very dedicated to delivering the best podcast for you guys. Thank you to the handful of people who have already submitted their feedback. We've already taken it very much into consideration and discussed it. And it's really, really, really helpful for us. So definitely give give that um, give that some time to fill out. Um, but yeah, I think that's it for this episode, Kayla. Yeah, that wraps it up. Thank you all so much for listening. We will see you next week with more Shadow of Kiyoshi. I got it right this time. Uh, <laughs> until then, I'm Kayla. And I'm Andre. And see you next time. Bye. Bye, everyone. Bye.